welcome to This Week in Video Games, episode 71. My name's Tom Kershaw, and this is a podcast all about the world of video games. Well, this week I've been playing the Outriders demo, and that is a new third-person looter shooter that's coming soon. Also, I've been checking out Rogue Heroes Ruins of Tassos. It's another game I've been getting into. Plus, I've been having a look ahead at Kenner Bridge of Spirits and rounding up all the info that we have so far on this one, as it's coming later in summer 2021. So it's a busy show as always. Let's get to it. Welcome to the show, everyone. I hope you're well and you're having a good week. I'm good this week, and it's been a busy few weeks of announcements in the gaming world, with Nintendo coming back after a long hiatus, giving us a Nintendo Direct and Sony, followed up in the last few weeks with their own set of announcements with their state of play, looking at the first half of the year and what's on the agenda from them. I'm going to be rounding that up later on in the show. I've also been looking ahead to Kenner Bridge of Spirits. I'm going to be getting into the details of what we know so far. We've had a little more news during the state of play, and this is definitely one I think you should be keeping your eye on this year. It's a beautiful looking game and could be one of the best in 2021. I'd love to hear what you think of the latest announcements, plus what's going on with you. You know, what games have you been playing? What's been getting you through lockdown? And given the lull at the moment, have you been checking out your backlog? Personally, I've been getting into co-op games since me and the missus have been playing through Super Mario 3D World, and I'm planning on going back through the Zelda back catalogue this year, given it's the 35th anniversary. And you can send in your comments and your stories for community questions by signing up to Patreon. For as little as $2 a month, you can sign up to become a patron, where you can get access to exclusive Discord rooms, send in questions and comments to be read out on the This Week in Video Games podcast, and you can access exclusive content and early access too. Plus, there's plenty of benefits over there at Patreon, and you get to support the show and help This Week in Video Games become a little more self-sufficient. Well, that is enough intro waffle from me, but let's get into what I've been playing this week. Well, this week I've been sinking some time into some demos, and demos are back. And this week I've been playing the Outriders and Project Triangle strategy demos. So two very different games, but aligned with the demo label. I don't think I've played a good demo for years. It's all been betas and alphas for a short while. Well, Outriders is a new looter shooter from People Can Fly, and it looks to take on the tough challenge of launching in a looter shooter space where few survive. So Anthem recently closing down can attest to the challenge of launching in a looter space, even if you're a massive successful studio with someone like EA backing you. Success is just not guaranteed. And my review of the Outriders demo is first up in the show. I've also been checking out Project Triangle Strategy. This is a new tactics game. This demo is really different to Outriders rather than test right at the end of development like Outriders has done. So this demo is much earlier in the development lifecycle and coming from the same studio that put out Octopath Traveler. So Project Triangle Strategy is a working title at the moment and the full game is due for release sometime in 2022. I've also been playing a cool little top-down RPG Zelda-inspired game called Rogue Heroes Ruins of Tassos, and this has roguelike elements mixed into classic action RPG, and I checked that one out on Nintendo Switch. So all that, plus the all-platform charts and games coming soon, that's all coming later on in the show, and you can check out the timestamps down below if you want to skip around and pick out the relevant bits and pieces you want to focus on. Well, first up, let's check out the Outriders demo.
So the Outriders demo is here, and it's free to download now across PlayStation, Xbox, and PC. And the demo gives you a comprehensive taste of what to expect when the full game launches at the start of April. So this is the newest looter shooter to come onto the market from developers People Can Fly, and so far it's off to a very good start. And the Outriders demo gives you the full introduction of the game, including narrative cutscenes, a couple of story missions and some side missions, plus a boss fight too. A little way into the demo, you can pick your class, and from there, there's four to choose from. From start to finish the first time round, the demo is going to take around two to three hours, but if you want to do it over again, which I would recommend if you want to try out the other classes, then it's going to take less time as you can skip the prologue and jump straight to the point where you choose your class. It's a nice time-saving feature, so after I finished up my first playthrough with the Pyromancer, I jumped straight back in with the Trickster. So as well as the story, combat and classes, you get to test out the loot. And progressing through the demo, you get to pick up white, green and blue gear. And then if you're lucky, you'll find one of the elusive legendary weapons in the game. So given this is a looter shooter, the loot game is very important to Outriders in terms of the player base. So if people can fly, can get the gameplay loop right, they really could be onto a winner. At first in the demo, I found the whole thing a little bit clunky. So the game doesn't really look great, the environments are grey on brown, and the game's movement doesn't feel as good as Destiny. However, this may be an unfair comparison, because Destiny is just simply the best in the business at movement and shooting. I'm not really a fan of cover-based shooters either, so I bought both the Division and the Division 2, but hardly got through them, and I simply dropped off from getting bored. So cover shooting really isn't my thing. What you learn, though, when playing Outriders is the cover isn't really for you, it's for the enemies. It pays to be aggressive in the game and run in there and shoot them, so that is the way you trigger health regeneration in the game by killing enemies with your guns or abilities. So you can take the cautious approach if you want to, but the game rewards you for being aggressive and getting stuck in there with all the people that are coming to attack you. For my first playthrough, I wasn't really getting on with the combat at all. You know, I was dying a lot, and the combat didn't feel great. But this all changed with my second playthrough, and it was all down to the class that I was using. So there's four classes to choose from in Outriders. You've got Pyromancer, that's medium-range fire. You've got the Trickster, that's short-range time manipulation. You've got the Devastator, short-range defensive. And you've got the Technomancer, that is a long-range support class. So each class has its own personality and feels pretty good to play, all perhaps except the Technomancer, perhaps due to the long-range nature of the class. So Outriders really promotes you getting in there up close and personal and sitting back just doesn't feel right. The demo so far appears to have gone down well with looter shooter fans and Outriders are in an interesting place as it's not marketed as a live service game. It's going to have approximately 35 hours of rich story and looting, however there is going to be an endgame. So People Can Fly have released a really good video on their YouTube channel which I recommend you go and watch as they go into detail on the endgame and I'll be sure to check into the endgame once I finish up the main story when Outriders is released in April. So the demo is repeatable, meaning you can farm legendary gear. And the initial drop rate for the demo was pretty bad, leading to People Can Fly tweaking the drop rate as fans were simply not getting enough drops of the weapons. And ideally, you want players to experience the weapons in the demo. One good feature of the demo is that progress is going to carry over to the main game. So if you do happen to find some legendary gear, then you'll be able to keep that for good. And the demo is going to live on too once the game comes out, so new players can always jump in, try it out to see if they like it, and then go on to make the purchase if they want to. 
And the demo does give you a really good taste of the game, including the combat, the weapons, looting, single player and co-op too, although I was having matchmaking issues on the PS5, which was a bit of a shame. I have been following the buzz around Outriders since it was announced and I'd say I'm mildly looking forward to the game coming out. It's entering a crowded market, one which has seen plenty of high-profile failure, with the final nail going in Anthem's coffin recently and Avengers dying a slow death in front of our eyes. It just feels like only a matter of time before Avengers just gets halted. Outriders appears to have a positive start with fans praising the loot and the combat and after playing a few hours I have to say when the combat clicks it is a lot of fun. Now, I was playing solo and I think it'd be great to jump in there with other people and play so I'd recommend doing that if you have a clan or a regular group of folks to jump in with. There's plenty of positives with the demo but there are also some drawbacks too. The graphics are a bit dull and bland and look very last generation. So if you're downloading this on the PS5 or the Xbox Series X then you're going to notice this quite quickly as it's something that was developed with last generation in mind. And there are a few bugs here with the menus and the audio but they weren't game breaking or a major issue, just a little bit of annoying every now and again. So I am interested in the story, I'm a big sci-fi fan and this started out okay. I'd say there's probably room to develop and the basic story is that Earth has been trashed and humans are out there trying to find another planet and they come across one called Enoch. Unfortunately there's a cosmic storm anomaly and that mutates everything it touches and it's a bit of a lottery whether you're going to be torn apart or turned into a god or altered as they say in the game. During the initial landing on Enoch, you're put into cryosleep and then woken up 30 years later to find that humans never really got out of the base when you landed on Enoch and now are semi-slaves to the altered masters, who in turn seem to be fighting their own war. Confused? Don't worry, it's all going to become clear when you play through the full game. Well, I started out lukewarm on the demo, but after a couple of playthroughs, I did enjoy my time with it, and the more I understood the combat and how to really get into Outriders. Legendary so far have been elusive for me, but I do find myself being drawn back in with the promise of loot, so I'll be spending more time with the demo before checking out the full release, which is set to come out on April the 1st, 2021, across all major platforms, excluding Nintendo Switch. I'd say if you like looter shooters then it's worth giving this one a go, especially given it's free. You know, try it, see if it hooks you and make an informed decision before jumping in with the full game later on this spring. Well that is it for my review of the Outriders demo, but next up let's have a look at Rogue Heroes Ruins of Tassos. So Rogue Heroes Runes of Tassos is a new action RPG with roguelike elements, combining combat, top-down exploration and procedural dungeons. There's also elements of town building here where you can build up your village or just relax and fish for a while. If you're a fan of something like A Link to the Past, then this one is going to be right up your street. So the game is set in Tassos, which was destroyed by the war against Titans hundreds of years ago, and the people of Tassos managed to lock away the Titans in four dungeons across the land, and Tassos slowly grew back to its former glory. As the years have gone by and the strength of the magic started to weaken, the Titans have started to grow strong once again, and they've unleashed a whole load of beasts across Tassos, leading to the people fleeing. Soon, the Titans are going to be free on Tassos once again, and it's your job to stop them. It's all fairly standard fantasy hero fare to be honest, but the scene setting through the mock stained glass windows and the story at the beginning of the game really got me into the mood for some adventuring. 
Rogue Heroes is a neat pixel art adventure, and on first inspection it does look very similar to classic Legend of Zelda games, however the roguelike elements do mix things up a little bit. For example, in the first dungeon I was surprised to get the grappling hook, bombs and arrows all at the same time. I have to say I was pleasantly surprised as it gave me all the necessary tools I needed to beat the first boss. There's a variety of environments in the game from classic green farmland, swamps and snowy mountains. The enemies are varied and offer a nice challenge, and because it's a roguelike you're going to need to watch your energy meter and be wary of dying as you're going to lose all your gems that you've built up. As you progress through runs of the game there are some items that persist, and Rogue Heroes does a pretty good job of rewarding players when they do die, so offering permanent upgrades that help you out each time. And as each run goes by you build up your town, allowing you to increase stats like health, stamina, powers and also your attack perks via your sword as well. As you accumulate and spend your upgrade points across your character, you do progressively get stronger, and this eases the player in who may not be used to this style of gameplay. But it does have a disadvantage later on in the game, as things do get quite easy, whereas ideally the game should be getting progressively harder as you progress. On the face of things, Rogue Heroes looks like another classic top-down pixel art action RPG. However, the town building element of the game is really, really good fun, and it's a nice distraction from the action when you want to take a break. There's plenty of NPCs in the game, including dogs, which you can pet. So if you just want to wander around and enjoy a Stardew Valley-type experience for a few hours between dungeons, if you want to chill out and just fish for a little bit, then that's available too. This element reminded me a lot of a short hike. You know, it was pleasant, and it was a gentle break from the sometimes frantic action that the game throws your way in the form of the dungeons. So the game can be played with up to four players in co-op mode, and four players in total can get a little bit too busy, but having one other person there to help out is pretty good. So it's a great game to chill out on the sofa with with your significant other after a hard day's work and you're looking to wind down. The pixel art Zelda-inspired world will instantly relax you, and solving the relatively straightforward puzzles together is a really good time. The overall design of Rogue Heroes will definitely give you Zelda vibes. Everything from the items, the character and the overworld shouts Nintendo, but really that's not such a bad thing. Games have been here before and they've tried and failed, but Rogue Heroes does a good job of emulation and there's enough differences in here to make it feel unique with the roguelike elements. I just wish it didn't have Rogue in the name, you know, it, it could stand up on its own two feet with a better label. The world of Tassos is very well put together, like a big mass of tiles waiting to be discovered. We start out in our little town, and very early on, we're directed to the first dungeon, and given a few side quests to take on. The design of Tassos is nice, and you clearly get directed where you want to go, but you're given enough room to explore as to not feel too directed, so heliocentric studios have done a really good job with that design. The structure of Rogue Heroes is nice too, and rather than direct you from one dungeon to the next big endless battle sequence, you've got time to explore and find the swathe of secrets on offer around Tassos. There's swamps, villages, forests, many of the locations you'd expect in this type of game, and the designers have packed the game full of secrets and side quests. You can also pick and choose to do the main dungeon or the side quest and get to know the array of NPCs back in your little hometown base. Intori Village is where you wake up in classic hero style, and very early on you start to build up the tools that you need to help out with building the village. When you first wake up there's a man called Griff, and he's out there wanting 80 coins, and he directs you up to the northeast to collect them. 
There was a slight little quirk here for me when I went back to the village with the 80 coins and he didn't recognise the fact that I had them. You know, I'd been cutting down bushes, attacking buffalo, all for about 15 to 30 minutes. Now I had to go through my first iteration of the dungeon and die for the first time to get the response that I was looking for from Griff. You know, I didn't come across too many bugs during my playthrough, but this one did seem a little bit strange. So back to Intori Village where you can build up the town to include a blacksmith, shops and a farm where you can plant and grow some food. It's a game within the game itself and very reminiscent of something like Animal Crossing or Spiritfarer. Intori Village works really well into the gameplay loop as Griff will help you build up tools and skills in exchange for gems and items that you find out there in the dungeons. There's plenty of items to find like the hookshot, boomerang and bombs and bows and magic wands all really the standard hero toolkit. And each item has its own upgrade path and can feel a little bit overwhelming at the beginning, but in an effort to be different or have a unique selling point, the game can sometimes veer into the complex. As well as the various items in the upgrade path, you also have classes in the game. So at first, these are locked off to you, but they do become available later on. And there's classes like Ranger, Knight, Mage, Pirate, Witch and Reaper. And the classes... They're not really too different, but it's a nice mix and match and does switch things up a little bit if you get bored of your initial class. So I really like having classes in this type of game. Normally in an action RPG like this, you're the hero and you're one particular style, but I like the fact that you can select different classes even if the effect on gameplay isn't huge. I really would like to see more mainstream titles take on this approach. One of the biggest features of the games is the dungeons and the titans. So the dungeons themselves offer a good challenge. You know, die and you'll be back at the start having to do it all over again. The dungeons are procedurally generated, so every time you go in, it's going to be a different experience. And puzzles, they're really, really good, which include moving blocks and finding keys to open locked doors, as well as hidden surprises like arrows being shot from holes in the wall and a laser beam coming from evil eyes. The puzzles and the enemies aren't too obtuse, but they're not a walk in the park either. The team has struck a really good balance here with the difficulty and I find myself jumping back in often to play the dungeons over. There's definitely a lot to like here with Rogue Heroes, but it's not all positives. You know, the main story and the cast of characters do lack personality and they didn't really grab my attention. So it may be unfair to compare to characters that have been in my life for the past 30 years and are competing against my nostalgia too, but the story just didn't really grab me. But there are a lot of positives in the game and I don't want to be too negative on it, but I do feel the game could have been much stronger with a better story, delivery and also, going back to it again, a better name for the game itself. You know, Rogue has appeared in so many game titles and you just don't really need to point this out. You know, by playing the game, we're going to know it's a roguelike. Having a more Tolkien or a George R.R. Martin-esque name, you know, like Lord of the Rings or the Song of Ice and Fire, something just a little bit grander. You know, even the ruins of Tassos would have been better than Rogue Heroes. But saying that, Rogue Heroes Ruins of Tassos is a very good Zelda-inspired action RPG and brings things into the modern era with the roguelike elements. The dungeons are fun and there's plenty of secrets to find and it's a great time playing with friends or family as couch co-op or online. It can be overwhelming at times through the skill trees and the side elements to the game, but you can always kick back and go fishing if things get a little bit too much. So if you're a fan of top-down RPGs, then I'd definitely give this one a go. So the game was developed by Heliocentric Studios and published by Team17. It's available for Nintendo Switch and PC, and it was originally released on the 23rd of February 2021. 
Well, that is it for my review of Rogue Heroes Ruins of Tassos. And if you're enjoying This Week in Video Games content, then check out patreon.com forward slash This Week in Video Games for benefits like joining in community discussions on podcasts, early access, exclusive content, content votes, and YouTube and podcast shout-outs. There's also a merch store, which includes T-shirts, hoodies, and all kinds of other This Week in Video Games stuff. So watching the videos and listening to the podcast and interacting down there in the comments is more than enough for me. But if you do want to support This Week in Video Games further, then you can through Patreon and Teespring. Check out the links down below for more information. Well, as I said before, we've had a whole bunch of news in the last few weeks with Nintendo coming back after a long hiatus to deliver their very underwhelming Nintendo Direct. And Sony didn't want to be outdone and they came back with their state of play. So next up, let's have a look at the state of play roundup. So Sony unveiled the PlayStation slate of content for the first half of 2021 by showing off the PlayStation 4 and 5 titles, which are soon to be released. And this was a mix of first and third party titles with a few little surprises. The show itself was pretty tight, it was approximately 30 minutes and mainly showed off titles with content that we'd seen before, although there were a couple of hidden surprises at the end from Square Enix and the Final Fantasy team. Unfortunately, we had no updates on Ratchet & Clank, Horizon Forbidden West and God of War 2. But Crash 4 kicked off the show with an updated version coming to PS5, which is going to offer 4K and 60fps gameplay, 3D audio, improved loading times and haptic feedback from the PS5 DualSense controller. Returnal was shown off again, this time with some extended gameplay, and this one is an upcoming third-person shooter, psychological horror game developed by House Marquee and published by Sony themselves. And Returnal is set to be released for the PS5 on April the 30th, 2021. Knockout City was shown off again, having been shown during the Nintendo Direct as well, and this is a dodgeball battle royale game that has an interesting trailer, but a less interesting gameplay loop by the looks of things. So imagine Fortnite crossed with dodgeball, and you got a pretty good idea of what was shown off. And this one is going to launch cross-platform on PlayStation, Xbox, Switch, and PC. We also got our first look at Sifu, which is a new martial arts game from Slowclap. This one looks like a close quarters martial arts action, and it looked pretty interesting, so Sifu appears to be a modern 3D twist on a scrolling beat-em-up style game, with lots of punches and kicks thrown in with various enemies that get in your way. Solar Ash was also shown off from Heart Machine, makers of Hyperlight Drifter, and that one is going to be published by Annapurna Interactive. And this one looks like a really, really stylish game with a fast-paced action and a stylized character that navigates a 3D alien-like world. And this one looks really different to Hyperlight Drifter, but from what we saw, this one looks like it's going to be really exciting and it's definitely one of my most anticipated games of 2021. Five Nights at Freddy's Security Breach was up next, coming to PS4 and PS5. Personally, not really my cup of tea, but if you're into this one, it looks like it could be fun. Oddworld Soulstorm was shown off again in an almost unnecessary showcase. We've seen this one shown off twice before, and I think there's only really so much Oddworld that we can see. You know, if you're a fan of Oddworld, then this is probably welcome news. However, I think we've seen it, I think we know what it is, and we're just ready for it to be released. 
Kenner, Bridge of Spirits, was given much more time on this showcase, and it's an upcoming action-adventure game developed and published by Ember Lab. And the story follows Kina, a young spirit guide who uses her magical abilities to help deceased people move from the physical to the spirit world. And the player uses Kina's staff for attacking enemies and her pulse ability for defending its attacks. And they're tasked with collecting small spirit companions, known as the Rot, who help to complete tasks and battle against enemies. So I'm going to go into Kina Bridge of Spirits a little bit more later on in the show in my watch list feature as it's one to watch for 2021. Well, Deathloop was also shown off with a nice new trailer, very similar to a James Bond intro sequence, and it is an upcoming action-adventure game developed by Arcane Studios and published by Bethesda. The Deathloop transports players to a lawless island off Black Reef in an eternal struggle between two extraordinary assassins. So explore stunning environments and meticulously designed levels in immersive gameplay experience that lets you approach every situation the way you like. And that one is set to be released on May the 21st, 2021 for PS5 and PC, although it is under a one-year console exclusivity deal. And finally, and maybe even most surprisingly of all, we saw Final Fantasy VII Remake Integrade. So this is a new chapter for Final Fantasy VII featuring Yuffie, and Final Fantasy VII Remake is also getting an upgrade to PS5 with better graphics, faster loading times, and you can upgrade for free if you own the PS4 version. And also, bonus news, Final Fantasy VII Remake is coming to PS Plus in March. So if you've got PS Plus and you're listening to this now, so you can head on over to PS Plus and download Final Fantasy VII Remake. So even though we didn't get news of Ratchet & Clank, Horizon Forbidden West and God of War, there's still plenty of games here to be excited about, you know. Kenner, Bridge of Spirits looks beautiful, and we've got a release date for that one at the end of August. Deathloop looks really good indeed, and Solar Ash continues to be one of my most anticipated games of 2021. Well, that is it for the roundup of the state of play, but next up, let's have a look at the all-platform charts. So number 10 this week, down four places from last week's number 6, is Minecraft. And number 9 this week, it's Grand Theft Auto 5, down two places from last week's number 7. And number 8 this week, it's Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War, down three places from last week's number 5. And number 7 this week, it's Animal Crossing New Horizons, down three places from last week's number 4. And number 6 this week, it's Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, down three places from last week's number 3. And new in this week at number 5, it's Persona 5 Strikers. And number 4 this week, it's FIFA 21, down two places from last week's number 2. And re-entering the charts and re-entering the top 10 this week at number 3, it's The Last of Us Part 2. And at number 2 this week, it's Marvel's Spider-Man, Mars Morales, up seven places from last week's number 9. And still in at number 1, it's Super Mario 3D World and Bowser's Fury, an absolutely fantastic game. And you can check out my review of that on the last episode of This Week in Video Games podcast, or that's up on the YouTube channel as well. Well, that is it for the charts this week, but next up, let's have a closer look at Kenner, Bridge of Spirits. So Kenner, Bridge of Spirits caught my eye as soon as it was shown at the PlayStation Showcase in 2020. The game instantly gives me Zelda vibes with exploring, climbing, its lush forest setting and the combat too. 
Ken Edbridge of Spirits is very high up there in my most anticipated games of the year, and today I'm going to go through my reasons why I've added it to my watch list and why I think you should be really, really excited about it. Well, first of all, Kena looks like a beautiful game. It's got Eastern themes and mythology. The animation is similar to something Pixar would produce. The characters look cute and the world looks lush, and I just simply want to explore it. Well, let's have a look at the description of what we've got so far from Sony. So they say embark on a captivating adventure featuring a unique companion mechanic and thrilling combat. Immerse yourself in a story-driven action adventure set in a charming world rich with exploration and fast-paced combat. Play as Kina, a young spirit guide travelling to an abandoned village in search for the sacred mountain shrine. Find and grow a team of tiny spirits known as the Rot, who maintain balance by decomposing dead. Enhance your companion's abilities and create new ways to manipulate the environment and uncover the secrets of a forgotten community hidden in an overgrown forest where wandering spirits are trapped. So as well as controlling Kina, the Rot are going to play a big part in the game. And the Rot are small spirits and they act as little companions. But you can also interact with the environment in a different way to help you explore. And the rock can also help you complete tasks, move objects and distract enemies and change into different shapes. So much like Breath of the Wild had the different powers like stasis and magnetism, it appears as if the rock are going to help us out with that kind of functionality. It's an action-adventure game in 3D set in a third person. Instead of the regular sword that many game protagonists have, here Kina wields a staff and also some magical abilities. Later on in the game we can upgrade the staff, for example it takes on the form and function of a bow and with a few upgrades, so as you progress through your journey you're going to be able to wield different weapon types. So Kina, Bridge of Spirits is set in a fictional location, but it's not Kina's place of origin, and the main village has been abandoned due to a horrific event hundreds of years ago. As you progress through the game you'll slowly restore the village to its former glory and we can see in the trailers that there's a few characters, for example there's an old man narrating the trailer as Kina is looking for safe passage into the mountains. The story is also focused on the spirit world, people who've died sometimes cannot pass into the spirit world and they get stuck between the physical and the spirit realm, for example if they've been traumatised or feel unfinished. Kina takes it upon herself to help these beings safely transfer to the other side. So Kina's got a scar from her hand to her shoulder, which is a cruel memento from a traumatic experience she had when she was younger with her father. The origin of this, and perhaps the one who gave her the scar, will be revealed as you progress through the game. We've only got small snippets of the story out there in the wild at the moment, but no doubt we're going to have more information before the release later this summer. So Kina, Bridge of Spirits, is being developed by Ember Lab, a relatively small team of 14 people based out in LA. Previously, the studio has worked on animation commercials, and in 2016, a short animation of theirs went viral, which was based on The Legend of Zelda Majora's Mast, titled A Terrible Fate. The studio then moved into game development by creating a prototype of Kina, and Ember Lab started pitching the Kina prototype around to publishing partners, and then signed a console-exclusive deal with Sony. Ember Lab partnered with Vietnamese animation studio Sparks to create the aesthetic. Now, originally the game was developed in Unity, but then shifted to the Unreal Engine. And the game was developed mainly with the PS4 in mind, but then Sony, but then Sony provided them with a PS5 development kit. 
In earlier versions of the prototype for the game, the rock were the enemies rather than your helpers or your friends. And Kina initially didn't feature in the game, and when she was first designed and introduced, she was a little younger, around seven or eight years old. However, the team felt the game would require a slightly more mature protagonist due to the story and the themes in the game. And after a little experimentation, Kina's own powers were boosted as she was felt to be a little bit weak in the first instance, and the team wanted that connection between Kina and the Rot, and they felt it was a great feature, and that made it into the final version of the game. Kina Bridge of Spirits was initially announced in June 2020 at PlayStation's Future of Gaming event and planned for release late on in 2020 on the PS5, PS4 and PC, but the game was delayed in September 2020 and pushed back into 2021. In January, the game's intended release date was March, but in a recent state of play, it was moved back to August 24th, 2021. So I think there's plenty to be excited about with Keener Bridge of Spirits. You know, it really gives me Zelda vibes in a really good way. The action looks fast and the exploration looks fun. I don't know if we're going to see much in the way of puzzles. The gameplay shots have been fairly brief, but I'm a fan of the visual style and the whole package looks like it's coming together really, really nicely. Well, that is it for my look ahead at Kena Bridge of Spirits. But next up, let's have a look at the Project Triangle strategy demo. So Project Triangle Strategy was recently announced during the Nintendo Direct in February and it's one that immediately caught my attention due to the art style. The studio developing the game and the fact that it's a very early demo and they're allowing us to give feedback on. So Project Triangle Strategy is a new SRPG which is a tactical role playing game and got fans of Final Fantasy Tactics very very excited indeed. And it's coming from the same studio that brought us Octopath Traveler in 2018 and once again shows off some great 2D pixel art on layered 3D backgrounds. It looks really stylish and if you're a fan of pixel art and old school SNES games then this one is definitely going to appeal to you. So one of the best features of the announcement at the Nintendo Direct was the fact a demo was available right now, even though the game isn't going to be available until 2022. And the team want to get early feedback, which means you can play a slice of the game immediately. So the demo itself isn't small, you know, it's approximately four hours long, depending on your battle time. Given this as a tactical RPG from Square Enix, comparisons are going to be drawn with this and Final Fantasy Tactics, a much-loved version of the Final Fantasy series. Project Triangle Strategy is the codename at the moment, which is subject to change. However, having lived with the name for a few weeks, I now kind of hope they keep it. It's been a relatively good period for tactics games over the last few years, with Into the Breach in 2018, Wargroove and Fire Emblem Three Houses in 2019, and then Gears Tactics and Arthurian Pendragon releasing in 2020. And Project Triangle Strategy has a wide variety to the battle system, and there's a lot in there for tactics fans they're going to want to jump into. You've got your standard jobs for pieces like Soldier, Knight, Doctor, Scout, and you can move your pieces around the grid board. Different pieces have different attacks and some can move further than others and the game implements really well the standard tactics gameplay but throws in a few features of its own. So first of all there's backstabbing and at the end of a turn units choose to face in a certain direction and attacks from behind are deadly. If you can shift your pieces to trap the enemy in a pincer manoeuvre with one piece on either side of the enemy then your pieces will attack simultaneously. As tactics games go, Project Triangle Strategy does a good job, you know, the art style is fantastic, and the music and the audio draws you in. 
as well as the battles themselves the other engaging part of the game is in between the battles so much like fire emblem three houses project triangle strategy gives you a great story to chew on while you're waiting for the next fight there's a warning by Square Enix that you probably won't understand the story in the demo. You're essentially being thrown into the mid-game, where characters are established, and you should prepare to be a little bit confused. I didn't really mind this too much, and fully accepted being thrown into the deep end, but it is something you probably want to bear in mind. So the story in the game is funny, it's silly, it's classic medieval storytelling. You play as a prince called Seri Noah, and near the start of the game you're stuck in a castle waiting to be attacked from Easefrost. So thereafter, called someone called Roland, a party member of yours, and they say, if you hand him over, then no one is going to get hurt. So it's a good way to get the player invested in early with a dramatic moment like this and an impactful choice. You know, hand over Roland, or protect him from the oncoming attack. The interesting gameplay mechanic is where you vote on the outcome. So some of your party think you should hand over Roland to keep the peace, and some of them think you should stand and fight, and some of them simply just don't know what to do. As the main protagonist, you have the opportunity to persuade and influence each member one by one and turn them to your way of thinking. So at the start of that conversation, there aren't too many dialogue options for you to try and persuade your team. But head off into town and gather some more information by speaking to the townsfolk and you'll gather clues and other useful bits of information that you can take back and use in your armory to try and persuade your team to your way of thinking. So it pays, therefore, to try and dig up as much info as possible and take that back to the conversation, as this will give you much more ammo to influence your fellow players. The added politics in Project Triangle Strategy, it's a lot of fun and there's a lot to it as well. You know, the, it's a whole other game mode alongside the tactics game and both combined, this is going to provide a very meaty final product that will likely take tens or maybe hundreds of hours to complete. The thing that caught my eye immediately with the game was the visual style, and this is a build on the style from Octopath Traveler. If you haven't played that game and you like old school RPGs, then you should definitely give Octopath Traveler a go while we wait for the final version of Project Triangle Strategy. So the game has gorgeous 2D sprite characters that sit on a 3D-ish background, something that the studio calls HD 2D. It's very good, it really works well with this type of game, so it manages both nostalgia and modern together, which is a really tough balance to achieve. So the Project Triangle strategy demo is free to check out and download from the Nintendo Switch eShop right now. And if anything I've mentioned here grabs your attention, or you like tactical RPGs, then I'd recommend giving it a download and playing it through yourself. It's a good chunk of the game, albeit a little bit confusing from a narrative point of view. However, it'll give you a good dose of tactics if that's what you've been craving. Well, that's it for my first impressions of Project Triangle Strategy. Let's check out what's coming out in the next few weeks. So on the 9th of March we've got Apex Legends coming to Nintendo Switch, we've also got Gensu Skydrift coming to PlayStation 4. On the 11th of March we've got Monster Energy Supercross, the official video game 4, that's coming to PS5, Xbox Series S and X, PS4, Xbox One, Stadia and PC. On the 12th of March we've got Crash Bandicoot 4, it's about time, come to PS5, Xbox Series S and X and Nintendo Switch. Then on the 16th of March, we've got Kingdoms of Amalur Re-Reckoning, that's coming out on the Switch. Also on the 16th, we've got Mundawn, that's PS5, Xbox Series S and X, PS4, Xbox One, Switch and PC. We've also got RBI Baseball 21, that's coming out on the Xbox Series S and X, PS4, Xbox One, Switch, PC, iOS and Android 2. 
Also on the 16th, Samurai Showdown, that's coming out on the Xbox Series S and X. And we've got Saviors of Sapphire Wings and Stranger of the Sword City Revisited, coming out on Switch and PC. Finally on the 16th, we've got Stubbs the Zombie in Rebel Without a Pulse, coming out on PS4, Xbox One, Switch and PC. On the 18th, we've got Jack Jean, that's coming out on Switch. Then we've got Maglum Lord, coming out on PS4 and Switch. And also on the 18th, we've got Marvel's Avengers, coming to PS5 and Xbox Series S and X. On the 19th, we've got Plants vs. Zombies, Battle for Neighborville, coming out on Nintendo Switch. And finally, we've got Root Film, coming out on PS4 and Switch. That's also on the 19th. Well, that is it for this week's episode. And if you want to get involved in the show, then get in contact through patreon.com forward slash this week in video games or check out the latest on the website. Send in your questions, your comments and your video game stories. I'm always interested in hearing from you and looking to read them out on the podcast. Well, thank you, as always, for listening or watching. And for more This Week in Video Games content like this, like, subscribe on YouTube and also share with a friend. To join our community, check out the Discord link in the description and you can follow me on Twitter at TWIVG Podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast or found it useful, liking and sharing it would really help me out. Otherwise, check out the other podcasts in the feed. Thanks again, and I'll see you in the next one.